We are on Ksubis Memches Amr Aleph 48a, about five lines from the top. Uh, we were discussing the different obligations that a husband has towards his wife, and we mentioned in the last class uh, from last week that there are ten different obligations that the Rambam Maimonides quotes. Uh, three of them are on a biblical level, seven of them are on a rabbinic level. One of them that's on a biblical level is the obligation that he has to uh, have sexual relations, to have bia with his wife. So the Gemara continues on that topic and says, Tani Rav Yosef, She'era, uh, according to uh, uh, some of the rabbis that we mentioned uh, from the last class, uh, Rabbi Lazar says, She'era is referring to, uh, in the Pasuk, in the Torah, is referring to sexual relations. Uh, but he adds, Rav Yosef here adds, Zukir Basar Shalayin Hagubba Minag Parsayim Shemisham Shemitosayim Belavushayim. The obligation is not just to have sexual relations, but kiruv basar. They have to, um, they have to be naked. They are not allowed to be clothed, or they shouldn't be clothed. Misayelelaravhuna, and this fits with what Ravhuna says. The Ravhuna, haomer ieshki ala ani bebigdi vehibigda yotivin nosing suba. If the husband says that I will only have, and and the the commentators point out, if the husband says this out of uh, out of a value of modesty says that I will only have sexual relations with clothing on, uh, and the wife is doesn't want that, so then she has the right to say, we have to get divorced, and you still have to give me exuba. You have to pay me for the exuba. This is uh, a reason uh, to demand a divorce, that she has, that, that, and when we force the husband to divorce his wife uh, because of this. Now, it's interesting, uh, there are those that want to say that... There is, in fact, a value of modesty, meaning if, let's say, both the husband and wife uh, were to prefer this option of being clothed um, while having sexual relations, so then there are, there are some who want to say that this is actually a value, uh, but others uh, vehemently disagree, and they say that no, that uh, it's, it's, it, it's a misunderstanding of what it means to be modest, that when a person's with their wife, and having sexual relations with their wives, so then, then no, there's a, the one's supposed to be, um, have cure of basar. One's supposed to be naked without clothing on, and that's really, that is the value. That uh, a person should not confuse that with the value of being modest in public. You know, when, when a husband and wife are together in private, so then, uh, there, there should be cure of basar. According, that's what others, uh, others argue, that there really is a value in having, uh, a close, intimate, and uh, and without clothing, um, active sexual relations, and, and that's really that is really the the the, the value here. Um, okay, so that is that is that gemara. Uh, the gemara now returns to a different obligation that the husband has, which is the fact that he has to uh, bury. He has an obligation to pay for the burial of his wife after she passes away. Let's say she passes away before he does. So then. He has an obligation to uh, bury his wife. Now, Rabbi Yehuda adds onto this Mishnah. This is what we saw from Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda adds that, you know what? It's not just enough to pay for the burial, but there's also more that has to be done. Uh, even if for a poor person, one, one shouldn't give less, then uh, we saw that uh, you have to have all these different things. You have to have somebody who uh, gives the eulogy and they, they play the what they used to have in those days. They, they would uh, play the flute. Uh, but there'd be there'd be more than just the basics of a funeral, but uh, they would have a little bit more than that. So the question is, that's the position of Rabbi Yehuda. 
Well, uh, who's he arguing with? And what exactly is this argument? It sounds like Rabbi Huda is arguing with a different opinion. So what exactly, what would this argument be about? And we'll see that this is a very interesting uh, topic. Michlal the Tanakama Savar Hani Lo. The implication is, is that the Tanakama, the first opinion against Rabbi Huda holds that no, you don't have to go so far. You're not out. You just have to pay for the basic uh, burial. So what exactly is the case? Says the Gemara, Hechi Dami. You have to know what are the standards of, let's say, that community, of what's what what one does at 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 a funeral. So if it's normal, so then to have this, so then why would the first opinion argue in Rabbi Huda? And if it's not normal, if it's above and beyond, so then how could Rabbi Huda say that the husband's obligated to pay for this? So says the Gemara, Lo What's going on here? Interesting case here. It, well, the husband and the wife, they come from different backgrounds, uh, different uh, family customs. And we're talking about a case here where it's the norm for the husband's family to have uh, a more done at the funeral. And it's not the norm for the wife's family. So then what should take place at this funeral? So this is a very interesting question with possibly broader applications than just a funeral, as we will see. It's part of the general question of uh, when a couple gets married, so then whose customs, let's say, uh, should they follow? Should they follow the wives? Should they follow the husbands? Um, not just customs, but standards of living, potentially. More about standards of living. What should they follow? Um, so the Gemara says as follows. Let's say she has a, a higher standard. If she, that's not the case that we're dealing with. But let's say she has a higher standard. So then she she has to uh, she has to maintain, and in that marriage they would have to maintain that standard. That's not the that's not the case that we're dealing with. We're dealing with a case where the husband has a higher standard. So what obligation does he have towards his wife? Uh, his wife has a lower standard. Uh, so this is a principle, this is an issue which will come up later in this Masechta, but it's an, a very interesting one, where the Gemara says that he, she has to, uh, if he has a higher standard, so then she has to follow that higher standard. She definitely, she has to follow that higher standard, and, and she would have to live by that higher standard. The question is, what happens in this particular situation, what we're discussing is not them as a couple while they are alive, but after she passes away. Now that she passed away, well, now what? How does the husband have to relate to his wife? His wife's background, uh, the wife's background is such where she doesn't have such high, such high standards. The husband does. Uh, so the Tanakhama, the first opinion says, the only time that she is has to follow the higher standard of her husband is while they are still married. They're alive. They're still married. But when she passes away, then no. Well, we wouldn't. And therefore, the husband would not have to pay for a more expensive funeral. Rabbi Huda says, no, it doesn't matter. Even after she passes away, so then he would still have to uh, pay for the more expensive funeral because she, or the standards by which uh, she would have to be buried would, would follow his higher standard. She would have to follow his higher standard. Uh, so this is a very, very fascinating idea. Uh, again, with uh, broader uh, ramifications in terms of uh, there's a big question in terms of minhagim, customs of the family, which is slightly different than our Gemara, but it could relate. Uh, when a couple gets married, so then whose customs do you follow? The, the husband or the wife? 
Um, it sounds a little bit from our Gemara. Again, it's not, we're talking about uh, standards of living. We're not really talking about um, customs, uh, but it's, it could be, it could be connected. Uh, and we follow, it seems like we follow the husband, although it seems to also imply that, let's say, the husband doesn't have certain customs. It's not a conflict. It's just that the wife has certain customs that the husband doesn't have. So then there would be definitely room to say that the wife should maintain those customs within the family uh, and pass that down to, to, to her children. Um, so that this is a very, very uh, interesting Gemara. We have a few interesting Gemaras here. Um, okay, that's, that's uh, for now, the end of, of that section. Uh, one more line. Sorry, I apologize. We follow the position of... Rabbi Yehuda. So we follow the position of Rabbi Yehuda to say that uh, the higher that the higher standards that she uh, has to maintain even exists after she passes away, including by the funeral. The Amar, the Gemara continues. The Amar Amar Another statement from Marukva. We just quoted Rav Chista in the name of Marukva, and so because of that, we're start stating a new statement about uh, nothing really related to uh, standards of living between the husband and the wife. A new statement. Also very interesting. What happens if we have the following situation? Uh, we're going to discuss multiple situations. But what happens if there's a person who uh, becomes uh, he, he becomes a shota? He he uh, he becomes uh, mentally insane. He uh, he's he's not he's not in touch with reality, so he's not able to function. But a, a husband, we're talking about a husband in this case, has certain obligations towards the rest of his family. Well, if he's not able to make certain decisions, uh, so then what do we do? Uh, what do we do? He, he has a, he has he has to financially support uh, the family. Uh, so so what do we do in that situation? Or we're, we'll see another case if he's not around. Let's say he's uh, mentally all there, but he's traveling, and we're talking about in the days of the Gemara where. Uh, when you're traveling, you can't just make a phone call. You can't just send an email. Uh, you've lost touch with them, with that person. So would that be different? Would that be the same? Uh, but how do you deal with that situation? He has certain obligations. Uh, so first of all, if we take a step back, well, if your person has certain obligations, um, what about with regards to other things? Um, let's say they, if they owe money, then they would have to pay back. Uh, we, we, we would go out of our way and uh, as the court, as the Bayesden, to make sure that they pay back whomever they own. In terms of mitzvos and their obligation towards purchasing things for mitzvos, so that that gets a little more complicated, because somebody who is a shota, who's deemed as somebody who is uh, mentally uh, uh, not in touch with reality um, and hallucinating, so then that person is is most likely exempt from the commandments, is exempt from mitzvos. But in terms of monetary obligations that they owe somebody money, so then we'll we'll, we'll make sure we'll go out of our way as the court to make sure that they pay uh, the people that they owe. So what happens if we have this case where they're, they're obligated to support um, their wife, their children? Um, so the Gemara here says that if they become a shota, uh, so then uh, the person who's mentally uh, insane, so then the based in the court will take out from their money to to support his wife, certainly to support his wife um, and to, to feed her and to clothe her. And the children whom... Even children that he's not obligated to support, let's say they're a little bit older, he's not obligated to support them, we still will go out of our way, assuming that we know that this is what he's done in the past and this is something that he wants. And also, Dover Acher, something else. We'll get to what that Dover Acher is uh, probably in a few minutes, uh, but just uh, something else as well, probably either 
jewelry. Let's say it's jewelry. Um, uh, elsewhere, it says that there's an obligation for a husband to also uh, give jewelry to his wife. So potentially, it's talking about jewelry. If we know that there's something that he's done in the past, so then uh, he we we would go out of our way uh, as the court to make sure that uh, um, we we take it and, and we pay his wife uh, to to buy jewelry and certainly to support. Uh, in terms of food and clothing to his wife and even to the children who are above the age uh, where he has to support them, assuming that, that this is what he's done in the past. So, Ravashi, I don't understand. How is this any different? We have the following brisa. We have the following source uh, from the time period of the Mishnah, which says that let's say he doesn't, he doesn't become a shota, but he's traveling abroad. Like we mentioned before, when he's traveling abroad, the rule is is that we will um, we will take his money to support his wife. However, we will not use it, assuming he's not obligated. Right, the cases where they're old enough where they're not, he's not obligated to support his children, we will not use it to support his children, and not for something else. This davar acher, we don't know what this davar acher is. This something else is yet. Gemara will get to it in a second, but also not for that. The point. So we seem to have a contradiction. There seems to be a difference between what happens when he becomes mentally. Insane versus when he's traveling. What's the difference? So if Ashi says back, Amalei, I can tell you the difference. He says, I don't understand. There's a clear difference. When he's traveling, so he knows he's about to travel. So he's obviously, he didn't, he, he could prepare in advance and say, I'm designating this amount of money to support my children, who I don't have to support, but I'm designating this amount of money. And, and he could prepare. When a person becomes a shota, there's no uh, mentally insane, there's no time of preparation. And so therefore we assume that whatever he's done in the past, he'll continue to do. And so therefore he will support his children. Again, there in terms of supporting the wife, that's an obligation that applies in both scenarios. He has to support his wife. And, and we will take money from him uh, if he's not around to support his wife. Uh, the disagreement is in a case where, with regards to uh, supporting children that he doesn't have to support. Where if he becomes a shota, mentally insane, so then we would, in fact, continue to support those children. Uh, but when he's traveling, so he could have prepared in advance, and he didn't. So therefore, we will not support them. But also, not davar acher. He will not uh, provide. We will not force him to pay this something else. This davar acher. My davar acher. What is this davar acher? So the Gemara says, what is davar acher? Um, there's a dispute about this. Mar sabar. Rav Chista Amar Zetachshid. Rav Yosef Amar Tztaka. Rav Chista says. It's talking about jewelry, that the husband has an obligation to provide his wife with jewelry. Uh, but it's a lower level obligation. And therefore, if he's traveling, he didn't prepare in advance. So then uh, he would not provide jewelry. Rav Yosef says, we're talking about tzedakah. It's not a talking about, we're not talking about obligations between a husband and wife. We're talking about his general obligation to pay tzedakah, to give money to charity, which is a fascinating idea. Uh, because there really is, uh, there's, there's no set amount of how much a person has to give to charity. There's a minimal amount of, of how much a person is really obligated to give, which is very minimal. Then there's a, a very, very strong custom for a person to give between 10 and 20% of their income towards uh, tzedakah. But that's not a requirement per se. That's a, a very, very highly encouraged uh, custom. Um, according to some, it's an obligation, but according to most, according to many, it's, uh, it's not a, an obligation per se, but it's a highly recommended custom. And yet, we'll say here that uh, according to Rav safe. um, so at least for this, Rav will say that he does not have to give. He did. We, we will not go in and, and, and take money for him to give to Staka. 
The Gemara explains, Mandam or Tachit Kol Shekin Tzedakah, Mandam or Tzedakah, Aval Tachit, Yavin Lo Adilu Nichala Tzinovel. The Gemara says that, uh, the opinion that says that he doesn't have to give a jewelry, so then certainly, we, 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 we would not take money from his account to, to, to give to the wife to buy jewelry. So then certainly, Tzedakah, which is uh, uh, not an obligation to give money to uh, that specific amount, uh, so then, um, uh, so, so then we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't go into his bank account, uh, to provide for tzedakah. But the opinion that says that we wouldn't give tzedakah, that opinion would hold, but we would go into his bank account to provide jewelry. Why? Because it's to his benefit. He wants to make sure, even though he's traveling abroad, he wants to make sure that his wife looks nice, and it's not, uh, and looks proper, and so therefore, we will take out money, according to that opinion, to provide jewelry for his wife. Okay. Um, if we just stop here for one second, a few points. Uh, number one is that the Rambam, Maimonides, actually he, he, in the end of the day, he says, it depends on how one reads this Gemara, but he says that we would actually, in fact, if not if they're traveling abroad, but if, if the person becomes mentally insane, so then we would uh, go into their bank account to pay staka to give charity, because charity, that they explain, is a real obligation. It's an obligation that he's uh, obligated in, and uh, he has to give charity, so we will take money from his bank account for charity. If he's traveling, then we'll assume that he's giving money wherever he is, so we wouldn't be able to take it out now because he's, he can make his own decisions wherever he is. It is important to note that this is really a part of a broader discussion about what happens. Am I allowed to do something? I go to a person's house. They're not home right now. I want a glass of water. I know that they want me to have this glass of water. If, I, if they were around right now, they would let me have this glass of water. Am I allowed to take a glass of water without their permission? This is basically what we're discussing. Situations where we don't have permission, they're not around for whatever reason, either mentally they're not around, physically they're not around. Um, are we allowed to do things which we know is to their benefit, which we know that they would want to have done, but they're not directing us to, towards it. So from our Gemara, it sounds like it's, it's allowed. Uh, there are other Gemaras which seem to imply otherwise. Uh, these apply, these uh, there are applications for this all the time. Some want to differentiate between whether it's a mitzvah or not. These are mitzvahs. It's a mitzvah to support your wife. Uh, these, these are mitzvos, but if it's just, uh, could I take a glass of water from uh, from your uh, from your house if you're not around? So maybe not. But others say that no, you would be allowed to if you know that this is what they, they, they if they're around they will let you. The shach says one of the classic commentators on the Shulchan Aruch says that you're allowed to. Others disagree and say that you're not allowed to. This is a big argument, and uh, there's different customs in terms of who to, whom to follow. I think uh, many people assume that. You would be allowed to take it, just not not because of halacha, but just what we see people do on the street. Uh, um, but uh, and that would follow the position of the shach. Uh, but this is a really a, a very very big big topic. Okay, we have a little bit more left in the Gemara, a few more lines in the Gemara, um, and then we'll begin a new Mishnah. But we'll stop here, and we will continue with uh, the rest of this Gemara in the next class.